Well, thankfulness, the never-ending story. Am I the only 80s gal out there that saw the never-ending story? You guys remember that movie? There was this movie. It was called The Never-Ending Story. It would always remind, remind me, I don't know why, of the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And now they'll keep on singing it simply just because it is the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And now they'll keep on singing it simply just because it is the song that... Now, that would get stuck in your head, and it would never end. It was like the never-ending story, right? Now you're all going to have that in your head today. You can thank me later. What is the point, though, of me doing that? Thankfulness should never end. But so many times it does, doesn't it? It's like we have Thanksgiving in November. We're all so thankful. And then a week later, we're in Walmart mad because the line is taking too long, right? And, and then we're frustrated about this, and we're frustrated about that, and the Christmas season gets upon us, and we try to have some joy in that. And I'll be the first to admit that I've not always been joyful during the Christmas season, right? And then we get into January and February in Michigan, and then what do we have to be thankful for? There's snow, and there's ice, and we're afraid to drive, and it's cold. And then we get our gas bill, and we are not thankful at all, right? When you see how much your heating bill is going to cost... And then maybe by May, June, July, we're finally thankful it's warm out again. And then the whole cycle, right, it just never ends. We know these things. It goes round and round and round. But here's the thing, friends. We know that our God, he is able and he is willing. And Satan is sitting literally trying to bug us on our shoulder and trying to get us to what they call blinded eyes. That's what I love how Jesus said, I came to set the captives free to open blinded eyes. He didn't mean just physically. I mean, of course, he opened a lot of eyes physically. But he also meant like spiritually, like sometimes our eyes are blinded to what God has done. And so I wanted to look here. What does the Bible say about thankfulness? Because Thankfulness shouldn't just be something we celebrate once a year where we go around the table and say, what are you thankful for, right? It should be something that never ends. It should be a way of life. It should be something that we look at every single day. And for some of us, we literally need to have reminders. We literally need to have a wall in our home that we see every day that says, what am I thankful for? And we put, you know, our, our testimony, we call them, up there. When God answers our prayers and he does miracles for us. Let's look at Psalms 100. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I literally sometimes think, like, how can I make sure that my great, great, great grandchildren know about God? 
I literally thought, like, could I set aside some money that literally would be just designated that when every single one of my descendants turns 16, they get a copy of the Bible and a copy of some, you know, book that tells them about how good God is, you know. And if they read that, then they get a something, you know, extra, <laughs> like a trip to Disney. I don't know, something that would give them an incentive to read that. And I've, like, thought that through, and then I'll pray about it, and God is like... Somebody receiving a book at 16 is not going to do it, Mary. You've got to pour into your kids today, so then you've got to trust that they're going to pour into their kids. And then you've got to trust that those grandkids are going to pour into their kids. And that's how a legacy is. He's like, it's not about setting aside $1,000 and hoping it grows by the t- time you've got great-great-grandchildren so you can buy them a Bible. He's like, it's buying your kids today a Bible and pouring into them so that way it'll continue. But that is like the goal, right? We want his faithfulness to continue through all generations. And sometimes that means trusting in him that his faithfulness will continue on, not my faithfulness. My faithfulness will literally end when my grandchildren die, right? My mom, when she, when she died, the only ones that still knew her are her grandchildren, and they were so little that they barely remember. I barely remember my grandma. Her legacy ends when I die. But guess what? God's legacy doesn't end. So if I can pour into them and give them that faithfulness. I love this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So how do we want to enter into God's courts, into heaven? With thankfulness. We need to be thanksgiving. We need to be thankful. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. What did that mean? Uh, Apparently in America, it just means you eat a lot of food and you watch football, right? Like that's what Thanksgiving means. I am thankful, so I'm going to eat and eat and eat, and then I'm going to watch football. That's That's what we've commercialized it to be. But that's not biblically what thankfulness means. Thankfulness means you look back and you see what God did. Maybe I'm struggling right now, and I look back and say, but I was struggling then and God provided. And so I know I can make it through today because he did that back then. Right? Last Sunday, did you guys all see me sitting in a chair up here? Remember I was sitting in a chair? You know why? Because I wasn't feeling good. And here I am preaching to all of you about God's healing and how God wants to do miracles for you. And I'm sitting up here having to sit down because I couldn't just stand up here for 45 minutes. And when I got home, I was mad at God and mad at myself. I'm just being real. Can you guys handle my rawness? Like, am I allowed to make mistakes? I don't know if it was a mistake. I think it's what I needed to, like, actually get on my knees to God. And you know what I said to him? I said, I know you can heal me because you did it before. I had to go to a neurologist at one point for like tumors. And I, and I literally prayed and I went to people and I had them anoint me with oil and we prayed. And when I went back for another scan, I remember I didn't even leave the hospital of the scan. I want a copy of that because I know when I go pop it in, I'm not going to see him. I had a copy of the previous scan. So I'm looking at this scan, and you can see the tumor, and I'm looking at this scan, and there's no tumor. 
and I'm looking at this scan, and you can see a tumor. I'm looking at this scan, there's no tumor. And I was like, woohoo, God is good. So then I go to the doctor's appointment. Now, this is funny. There happened to be a PA that day with the neurologist, and he was kind of doing like the pre op stuff and all this. And so he's looking at the scans. And um, he was like, how are you doing? Have you been having pressure headaches in the morning? Because that was one of my symptoms. And I said, no. I said, I decided I didn't want these tumors anymore, so I prayed. And uh, they're gone. And I don't have pressure headaches anymore. And he was like, and he laughed out loud. He's like, <laughs> he's like, these don't go away. I'm like, Okay. And I just sat quietly. And I'm watching him because I'm on the other side of the room, and I'm seeing him looking at the original scan because I did this the night before, right? I'm, like, looking. And he's looking at it, and you can see the tumor. And then he goes, flips to this scan, and he's looking at it, and he's looking at it, and he's looking at it. And then he flips back to the, tumor, the scan with the tumor, and he's looking at it, and he flips back to the other t- scan, and he's, like, and then he's flipping through all the charts and stuff. And finally, the neurologist walks into the room, and he has been really quiet. He hasn't said a word to me to, since he laughed at me, you know. And he's like, um, I, I, for some reason, I can't find the tumor on this scan. Are the dates reversed on these two scans? And the doctor's like, no, no, no. Here, here, here. Look, let's look here. And he's like clicking and clicking. And then he gets real quiet. The doctor gets real quiet. He's clicking and he's clicking. And he starts looking through the notes. He's clicking and he's clicking. And then he finally turns around the chair and he looks at me and goes, well, it appears they've shrunk down quite a lot. I don't think you're ever going to have any problems with these. I'm like, oh, okay. Do you, you, now, you were saying before I might need to come in for follow-up, so I have to come in for a follow-up. No, I don't see any issues here. <laughs> now, here I am last Sunday sitting here feeling miserable. And I'm like, God, you are the God who heals tumors. You are the God that I've prayed over people, and they've said, you've got cancer. You need to come in tomorrow for surgery. And they come in, and they get in there, and they're like, oh, yeah, what we saw in your liver and kidneys is gone now. We can't explain it. Like, you're the God who answers these prayers. I need you to heal me. And so I began to pray, and the Lord showed me what I needed to do. So I did that, and instantly I was healed. And it was just miraculous. I haven't felt this good in over a month. And I didn't want anybody to know. But when I was on the roof, I was miserable. I was not feeling well. And I didn't tell anybody. And I was just, like, praying, you know. But sometimes it takes us having to know what he is capable of. It took me for a minute to look back and say, okay, I'm thankful that you healed me here, here, and here. I know that you can heal me today. That thankfulness, when we look back, it changes our perspective on what we're going through because all of a sudden we're reminded that he can do it. I love this. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. So many times when I'm praying and talking to God, I feel like God is saying, I am the God who made the heavens and the earth. And it reminds me in that moment, if he can make the heavens and the earth, he can take care of my little problem. I promise you, if he can figure out how to keep salt water in the sea and the fresh water, I I still don't get it. To me, it doesn't make sense. I'd love to sit down and talk to a geologist and just say, really? Like, how can you not believe there is a God? How in the world is there that much fresh water, that all the water that flows out of the Mississippi and dumps into the ocean? Like, where is it all coming from? 
where's all this fresh water coming from, right? Like, I just love to think about his goodness. Look at the great lakes. Look how much water is in those great lakes. And, and yet, how much pressure and how much salt is in the sea. And now salt gets into those great lakes. It's just amazing. If he can figure out how to keep the pressure equalized in the great lakes and the salt, he can take care of my heart, can't he? He can take care of your brain. He can take care of your kidneys. He's the God who made the heavens and the earth. But most of us, I'll be honest, I've done this too, when we look to God and we want a healing, what we do and what we're, th- we're thankful for that moment and then we're not thankful anymore, we forget why, because we were just looking for a quick fix. Haven't you ever done that? You know, that's kind of like, like, okay, I really, you know, if I got into shape, my joints would feel better, but I don't want to do the effort to get into shape, so Lord, just heal my joints for the rest of today. Well, then I feel better for the rest of the day, and then I wonder why I still hurt tomorrow, right? It's like, I don't want wholeness. I want a quick fix. I just want to feel good in this moment. When we look at Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, we hear a story that reminds me of this. You have to ask yourself, are you the 10%? Are you the 1 out of 10? Or are you the majority? Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I love that. When you like look up the Greek, there's a difference between simply just being cleansed and being made well. What the word well meant there in the Greek was he was made whole. He was safe. See, so many times we just want to be cleansed. We just want to have a quick fix of the problem. But what God really wants for us is to be made whole. We can have, you know, a physical ailment and we can have a spiritual ailment. We can have a soul wound that has caused us some sort of physical ailment. They say, like, unforgiveness, bitterness, that can cause arthritis, joint issues, and inflammation in your body. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different things that can cause different problems. And people, like scientifically, they've literally found the connections. And, you know, nine out of the ten lepers received the cleansing. They received a quick fix for what that was going on. But one out of the ten came back and was thankful and acknowledged God's power and what Jesus did. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith in the fact that I am God and that you are willing to come and be thankful for what you did has restored you 100%. And so my question for us is, as we decide to make thankfulness a lifestyle— right, rather than a a one-day-a-year thing. 
but to let this be the never-ending story in our life, the question begins to say, will this begin to bring restoration to us and make us whole? When we can look back and say, look what you did. You did this. I love this here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, and petition means again and again and again. So don't tell me I prayed once, Mary. Don't tell me I prayed twice, Mary. Don't say, I've been praying for a year, Mary. Well, you keep on praying. It says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, when you pray, are you saying thank you for what he did help you with? Because, see, that's going to build up your faith. You're going to be reminded, oh, he did this before. He did this before. He answered this prayer. He brought healing to this person. He can do it for me. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, when we are thankful and we look back, we remember all the good things that he's done for us. See, Satan always wants us to focus on the problem. But what's the whole point of thankfulness? It's making you shift and think of something you are glad that happened. It's making you focus on the good and be reminded that this is what is good. This is what has happened. That first Thanksgiving, they didn't sit around and do a funeral service and a memorial for all the people who had died the winter before. They had already dealt with them. They had already buried them. They spent the entire summer harvesting food to get through the next winter. And so they were thankful for the food. They didn't focus on the fact that half of them died the year before, and that's why they had to spend all that next summer gathering food to make it through the next winter. But if we're being real, the first Thanksgiving was based on the fact that so many people had died. And so they had to spend this entire summer to gather food to make it through the next winter. No, their focus was on the provision of this land that they were now aware of, that they weren't aware of before because they had landed in the fall and winter was right upon them when they started and they didn't have time to gather food. Your thankfulness can be because something bad had happened. But now you've shifted your thoughts, and now because of that bad thing that happened and you realize God answered your prayer, now all of a sudden you have this provision and you're so glad. And you can start your next part of your journey, the next part of your life, based on something good. That's what we want. We want to be made whole, but it starts by being thankful. We don't want the quick fix. We don't want our focus to be, well, okay, I'm making it through today, but tomorrow I'm going to be miserable again. We want to say, God has made me whole, so now my outlook, my spiritual pain and suffering has been healed, so now my forward thinking is made whole. In Psalms 105, we see it says, Give thanks or praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. 
Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. See, when you're being thankful, you're retelling what he did for you. I am thankful God healed me. I am thankful that when I prayed for this person that there was no more cancer. I am thankful that when this person went in for surgery, God's hand was upon them, and they said it was the easiest surgery they've ever done. I am thankful that when I pray, God hears my prayers. Right? Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. 1 Thessalonians sums it all up so beautifully. In chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually. We could just end there, right? I should just be rejoicing, God is good, God is good, now I'm going to pray. But it doesn't end there. The verse goes on. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love how he adds in there, when you give thanks, do it in all circumstances. You know, the pilgrims were like, we came to America and half of our people died. This place sucks. Right? I mean, that was reality. But instead, they kept praying. They kept trusting God. Springtime came, and they realized. They got help. They looked around. They said, oh, wait a minute. This place doesn't suck. We just didn't come at the right time of year. Let's go collect some food, right? Let's get ready so we can make it through the next winter. And if they hadn't have stayed happy, all wouldn't be here. I mean, you know, thank goodness they stayed, right? Or you might be speaking, you know, Dutch right now. But Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks on the Christmases when you only have one thing under the tree. And give thanks to God when you have ten things under that tree. Give thanks to God when your health is good. And give thanks to God when your health is bad. And give thanks to God when your friends have turned their back on you and you're all alone. And give thanks to God when you've got lots of friends. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. His will for you is for you to be thankful, for you to have more than enough. For you to be able to look back and say, I can make it through today because I know he was with me when I went through yesterday. That is our goal. Because this has to be a never-ending story. This has to be something that continues. This has to be something that goes forward. We're going to have the ushers grab the kiddos from downstairs. And what we're going to do is I want to have the worship team come on back up. And I'm going to give you a few moments to sit in your seats and think about what are you thankful for? What has God done for you? See, if you can remember that he is willing and he is able, then you know he can do something for you today. 
Now, some of you that are sitting in your seats, you need a physical healing in your life. You need a miracle in your life. And we've done this before, most recently, where you've come up and I've prayed with you. And I just felt strongly this morning as I was praying, God was saying, there are somebody in the audience that they're going to receive the miracles they need. They're going to receive the healings that they need. And I want them to know that I want them to have this. I want them to be blessed. So what we're going to do is when they start singing the song Miracles, feel free to come up and just line up up here if you need a miracle, if you need a healing. And what we're going to do is the elders will come by. I'm going to ask the elders to put their masks on. I know you guys don't need one, but because they're going to be praying for lots of different people, and I'm going to put one on too, we're going to have it on just because we're going from one person to another person. And sometimes when the worship music's going, it's hard to hear you, so we kind of got to get up close to whisper in your ear. So we're going to have a mask on just to keep you safe and not spread anything amongst us. But the um, altar team elders will come over and will ask you, what are you believing God for? What is the miracle you need? What is the healing that you need? And then they are going to pray with you. But then when they're done praying with you, I want you to stay up here. Because after the elder prays with you, I'm going to come over and I'm going to have some oil on my hands. And I'm going to lay my hands on you. And I'm going to agree with that prayer that you've already prayed. And I'm going to call it into being. And I'm going to say, may it be done in the name of Jesus. What they just prayed for with you, may it be done in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to come along behind them and confirm it and anoint you with God's presence. Why do they use oil to represent God's presence? Because oil is like the opposite of water, right? It is supposed to linger. It's supposed to stay. It's supposed to moisture. It's supposed to like soak into you. See, when you get a touch from God, it doesn't just evaporate off. It soaks into you. And so it's just a representation of God's anointing. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that as we sit here and think of all the things that you've done in our lives, it is a reminder that you are more than able. What you've done before, you will do today. Because you love us and you want good things for us. So, Father God, we're thankful for all the ways you've brought healing into our lives. You've brought miracles into our lives in the past. But we're also asking now for the miracles we need today to happen. And may we be like the Samaritan that was cleansed out of the ten. May we come back again next week and be thankful for how you bring healing to us. And then you will make us whole. And we receive that wholeness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.